0: Educating by sharing our from the trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home.
1: Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, I um, have Ru- Russ, um, Car- Karenan. I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you before we started recording. Is that? Am I close? <laughs>
2: Close, but no cigar, okay. it's Russ Carnahan.
1: A Carnahan, okay. Thank you very much for, for helping me with that um, from Preservation Action. So thank you thank you for joining me.
2: Great to be with you.
1: So tell me, tell me about your background.
2: Yeah, I grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, uh, Rolla, Missouri. Um, and my dad was a small town lawyer there and my mom involved in a lot of civic activities. Uh, So I grew up around that. my dad also got involved in politics. So I grew up around uh, politics and campaigns, Uh, but I wound up uh, going to college at the University of Missouri, uh, getting my undergrad and my law degree. And uh, then so I was a lawyer by training and profession. I was a practicing trial attorney early in my career and uh, also did some government affairs work. Uh, wound up being elected to our state legislature uh, and then to uh, the US Congress in 2004.
1: Okay, very good. Um, so what, what brought you into, um, into preservation?
2: Really, I was always interested in history uh, and and old buildings and architecture. Um, I think really what uh, got me energized uh, was really one failure of preservation and one success kind of back-to-back in the town where I grew up. It was a historic Frisco Railroad Station uh, that had been vacant for a long time. And the city council in one of these sort of dead of night things uh, decided to demolish it. And the preservation uh, folks in town were really caught off
1: guard uh,
2: and not prepared. Uh, So we lost that building. A few years later, uh, there was a big debate uh, over our Civil War era courthouse, Mm -hmm. whether to tear it down. They had... uh, Past uh, measure to build a courthouse. We orchestrated uh, an agreement where the county commission um, organized a nonprofit entity uh, and they agreed to uh, donate it uh, and preserve it. And so we were able to succeed in that historic effort. We learned a lot with that, the, the failure and the success of those efforts locally. Right. And then I saw the impact on. Sort of broader policy when I was governor, and really launched a really successful Missouri state historic tax credits, and that's that's real, and and really saw the policy aspect of that the state legislature. I carried that with me to Congress, where um, I became chair of the historic preservation caucus uh, in Congress.
1: Yeah, the um, yeah those those. Those um, state and the federal historic tax credits really do help um, revitalize buildings. Um, they're they're really powerful. Um, Pennsylvania just we just got a state historic tax credit, and it's not it's not very big. It's it's five million dollars for the entire state, so most of it goes to Philadelphia or Pittsburgh. Um, but um, Maryland, just you know, just across the border, you can get almost fifty percent of your entire project between the state and the and the federal. So it, it's it, it varies widely.
2: <laughs> it does, but it's a great, but it's just space. such a, a great tool. It is. Uh, for, it is uh, preservation.
0: It is.
1: So so tell me about um, preservation action.
2: Well, preservation action uh, back after the uh, National Historic Preservation Act was passed by Congress. Preservation Action was launched uh, in 1974. We're coming up on our 50th anniversary uh, in just a couple of years. We've all begun to think about that. But it's the, the only uh, national nonprofit focused on advocacy for historic preservation uh, at the federal level. Uh, so we've had some great champions over the years. Um, I've been its president since 2015. And... Uh, it's just a tremendous organization uh, with people that are professionally involved in historic preservation you know personally interested uh, individuals and organizations companies uh, that are part of this effort really as uh, citizen advocates
1: right. for
2: historic preservation uh, on policies that really help at the local level and uh, there's been just some great successes over the years to Stopping bad measures, uh, tax on preservation or cuts to budgets, uh, but also with the really pro preservation message, uh, especially in tough economic times, to really tout not just the the historic value of culture and education, but the economic impact of preservation uh, and also uh, more and more the partnering on sustainability issues and resilience issues around preservation uh, have really been coming to the forefront as well.
1: I I agree. I think that there's the, the green building people and the preservationists need to talk to each other more because they have more in common than they realize. (laughs) They they Um, very much do. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there, you know, the, um, yeah, I think that there's there's a lot to be done for promoting you know reuse of buildings as a as a as a as a green building tool. Um, so, um, how how does um, preservation action engage with communities to encourage and support preservation?
2: Well, our our target audience are members of Congress and their staff, okay. and so you know we want to engage constituents uh, with their elected officials. Uh, So their officials really understand that local impact uh, and they can see it in terms of the community benefit of of culture, history, tourism, uh, and the economy. Uh, But uh, it's hard to find people that are really staunchly Uh, anti-preservation. Most people may not understand the scope and breadth and impact of historic preservation. So telling that positive story and really building relationships with your elected officials and their staffs. You know, every member's got offices back home in their district. They're always looking for uh, you know, special events or special projects they can connect with and support. So uh, really building that relationship and uh, our kind of building block as an organization really are you start with the, the statewide historic preservation organizations um, and really organize from there uh, for that, you know, state district outreach. We do advocacy, whether it's you know, throughout the year uh, or really around our uh, premier advocacy event, Historic uh, Preservation Advocacy Week that we do every March uh, in Washington.
1: Yeah. And that, you said you said that that's in March, Historic Preservation yes. Advocacy. Okay and um what what are some common misconceptions about lobbying for legislating uh preservation policy
2: you know there's a lot there's there's misperceptions about congress it's some you know big unreachable thing mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's misperceptions about lobbyists that you know they're the you know backroom cigar smoking uh you know deal making uh you know, nefarious people doing things in in Washington. When you know, there's people that advocate uh, are really a resource for policymakers, uh, and better uh, adv- You know, better advocates are credible uh, resources, and it help policymakers make better decisions. When Congress makes oftentimes bad decisions, it's when they're rushed. And they haven't consulted with experts enough mm-hmm. to really understand the impact of their decisions. Uh, when they have great resources and experts engaged with them, they make better decisions. And so that's really the job.
1: That of that makes preservation sense. Advocates. Yeah. Yeah. I was just I was just thinking that really makes sense to me because they don't they don't have the time, or in their background maybe not. They don't have the knowledge depth, and so having people that have that expertise is really valuable to be able to craft, you know, sound policy. That really makes sense to me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a funny story. We had a uh, a U.S. senator at a reception a few years ago, and uh, there was a presentation of a major historic preservation project uh, in his home state. He had been very familiar with the building because it was near their state capitol and he knew it had been an eyesore for years and it was redone. And he'd been kind of hesitant to support some of the historic preservation legislation. And after he'd seen this presentation, he got up to the podium and he said, I get it. I get it. And It's just,
0: <laughs> yeah. you know, that
2: having that local connection of a building he knew about that and he saw the transformation and um, it, it was great to see that light bulb go off, but it was that local connection uh, that, that we really saw uh, just over and over again was so important.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I, I, I think that that's some of the what I'm seeing in like even the museum storytelling is that people are starting to tell more of the whole history, and I think that allows everybody to start feeling invested. Like their story is being told through, through the, through the interpretations of, of the house museums or whatever, you know, whatever building it is. So I, everybody has to feel invested to, to be able to buy in. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so what, what trends or challenges do you see in preservation um, from, from your, from your vantage point? You
2: know, there's always the, uh, building relationships. Um, you know, you don't want to show up in a member of Congress's office that, uh, you know, say the sky is falling and, you know, we need help now with this crisis. Right. And they haven't ever met you before. Uh, it's nice to have that continuum mm-hmm. ongoing relationship. Uh, but members of Congress change. They retire, they run for other offices, they get different staff. And so having that regular contact with the offices to build those relationships, to stay on top of those changes. That's really an ongoing challenge, which is why we do these regular advocacy events
1: yeah. uh,
2: in in March every year, but also throughout the year uh, to keep those relationships fresh. So that you know, there's opportunities to go on offense or defense. Uh, you're ready to uh, engage on those things. And I think the other. Areas uh, where we've really seen preservation step up it is through the economic uh, difficulties and through COVID. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, where
2: preservationists have really stepped up to make the economic case
1: right.
2: that as part of the recovery, uh, we need to continue and even enhance some of the investments, uh, at the impact of historic preservation as part of an overall strategy. And I think the other thing. Uh, as we talked about earlier, building that there's new opportunities uh, so often to connect uh, with the green building community on sustainability issues uh, and on resilience issues. Right. Uh, where those partnerships have been either non-existent or tenuous, uh, we're really seeing a lot of, of those relationships growing and partnerships growing to uh, some joint advocacy where we have common ground issues. I think finally I'd say in the area of technology uh, preservation sometimes gets kind of a bad name that they we want we don't want to change anything. And mm-hmm. if we were super strict on that, if you think about it, uh, some of our old buildings, you know, we wouldn't have bathrooms.
1: Right. Uh, yeah.
2: Or air conditioning. And of course we do that today. Yeah. But there's other opportunities I think where you know, I've used these examples where there's technologies where you can have clear glass in a window that also uh, generates solar power, or, or tiles that look like historic tiles that are solar, t- yeah, solar capable. So there's all kinds of uh, technologies that we can, you know, correctly and I think fairly incorporate into historic buildings. Um, that uh, I think uh, there's growing opportunities as technologies
1: get better. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that there's, there, you know, there's a tension there with people that don't want to change anything. And then, you know, the, the, what need nobody wants to live in a museum, especially, you know, if it's a house that somebody's living in, it needs to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, and, and I, and I do, I, those, those tiles that, that are solar, from the ground, you can't tell the difference. So I, you know, I, I think that's a very acceptable, you know, a substitution. Um, and it's, and it, and it also then, you know, helps with everything, all the other challenges that we're facing, the, you know, with the, with the um, climate change and everything else. And that's, I, I think that we need to, there needs to be some flexibility. I, I definitely agree. And I've been, I've been in some um, buildings that, have never been, there's, there's one in Southern Lancaster County, um, that has never been updated. Nobody lives in it now, but it doesn't even have a Mm. kitchen in it. And Mm. it's just amazing to me that that building has never, you know, nobody's ever invested any money into it, (laughs) but, but, um, yeah, it's, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think that those, those things are very, very important and need to be at the, at the forefront. Is there anything, um, that you thought of while we were talking before we before we talk about you know that some of the things that you want to promote um, that you thought about when we were talking that maybe I didn't ask you about.
2: You no, know, not really. It's, um just uh, I think the the main point I want to get across is um, you know your viewers and folks that you work with professionally uh, they, they care about and they value preservation and must be of that is locally driven. We have a national historic preservation program that is a tremendous resource and tool. But it's not there by accident. It's there because preservation leaders and everyday citizens that care about this have engaged with their elected officials, and that's, that's not some distant, attainable um, concept. It's something people do every day. Know, something as simple as calling or sending an email to your elected official uh, you know, going to a local national meeting uh, joining as a member of some of the organizations like preservation action right. they're engaged in this it's a great you know personal and professional outlet uh, where you can make a difference so i would just encourage people to incorporate that uh, into their preservation activities uh, Really important part of it. Do. Yeah. I yes,
1: yes, yeah. I I, I agree. Um, and then, so how can how can our listeners um, support your mission?
2: Well, uh, first of all, uh, you know, easy, uh, shameless pitch here to join Preservation Action. Remember, uh, There's number of ways to do that. You can go to our website at preservationaction.org. Uh, it's $40 to be its lowest-level individual member. Uh, we also uh, have uh, ally organization members. Many of the uh, statewide historic preservation organizations and local groups join as ally organizations to preservation action. And then finally, uh, we have uh, national board members uh, where be a part of our national board. Uh, we have quarterly uh, meetings uh, to be a part of uh, the thought leaders. We have active committees uh, that, from policy to development to administration, where you can be involved. Uh, and we also have a number of activities. Uh, every March, uh, we have our uh, Historic Preservation Advocacy Week uh, in Washington, although it's been Virtual last year, of course, right. um, but we expect that to be uh, at least part uh, in person and part virtual uh, next year, and then every fall we have uh, the Preservation Action Foundation uh, has a special event in conjunction with the National Trust for Preservation conference, and uh, that's coming up uh, this fall. So. Those are a number of our key activities each year, but uh, please join us. Uh, we this is a you know member-driven organization uh, with you know, preservation professionals and individuals and organizations from around the country, and that network uh, is really what we can deliver our advocacy with. So join us. Okay,
1: very good, thank you. Um, and then was the um, fall event? Is that the auction? The um, the that, that, um, that was that um, is coming up in November?
2: Yes, yes. Uh, okay. that's the Historic Preservation uh, Foundation uh, has their uh, annual auction on November the 2nd, um, and that will be virtual at 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern time, but you can find details uh, on our website. Um, this is typically an in-person event uh, but because the trust conference is virtual again this year, we're virtual again as well. Um, and so we've we figured out how to do this auction and have this party online. Uh, but it's, uh, it's still a lot of fun okay. and uh, would encourage folks uh, to check out the website and, uh, and join us.
1: Very good. Thank you. And I'll make sure all of that information is on our website. So if somebody's listening and didn't catch it all. They can go and, and find it there um and get linked directly to to your website. Um, and then how how can our listeners contact you?
2: Yeah, the best way is through our uh again, through our website, there's contact information at preservationaction.org uh and get to me and get to our staff and uh, like I said these join us were accessible and um uh, like I said don't Don't think of this as something that other people do. Uh, It really depends on just everyday people involved in preservation being part of it. Uh, And that's what really makes the difference to grow this national network. We have uh, members in all the two states now uh, that I know we're trying to fill those in, but uh, that's really what uh, drives this network, impacts our advocacy, and impacts those policies and funding for those programs that really work their way back to the local level projects.
1: yeah those um, um, the, the statistics and the the diagrams that I've seen um, that show you know how much you know the the tax credits give out and how much they actually put back into the community much more than than the the, ta- the tax credit given I think it's very impactful so I think that that's you know something that that um, that, that is you know important to, for people to understand and to get that message out so thank you thank you for the work you do no
2: thank you it's a, it's a really a pleasure to do it and, and really a pleasure to work with people that are that care about preservation and preservation leaders and groups around the country uh, to really focus their voice uh, in DC to keep these these programs and this funding uh, alive and well.
1: Thank you very much. Have a, have a good rest of your day.
2: Great. You too.
0: Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.